Welcome to the Community Builder Podcast. The world is our classroom, and every moment is an opportunity to understand human connection at a newer level. On this podcast, we'll explore the minds of active community builders as they strive to leave their imprint on the world. King. Let's build. Before we get started, we would like to thank our sponsor, Cruise Control Music, the ultimate audio branding experience. Cruise Control Music creates custom, authentic sounds and music to showcase your brand identity and is a direct reflection of your vision, goals, and values. If you're looking to start or level up your podcast experience, log on to cruisecontrolmusic.com. Have you been up to it? I feel like last time we talked, you were getting ready for your Nike event with Maria Sharpova. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, I feel like it's been forever. Yeah. No, I um, it's funny with running a company, it feels like time moves either very slowly or extremely fast. At the same, you know, it's like, it feels like things mm-hmm. are taking forever. But then when I look back in the last couple of weeks, it's like, damn, we did a lot. So we, we spent some time in LA because we have, an, a part, we have a partnership with Mayor Garcetti, who has this new program that he's just launched to help women in STEM. And so we're organizing a couple of workshops, largely about how women can activate their networks. So how do you kind of look at reframe network? This is actually a good conversation for us to have since we work at Meetup. But how can you rethink networking as something that's not awkward or sleazy? Amass a large network, well, how do you leverage them for opportunities? How do you ask them for help in a way, I guess, that doesn't feel like a favor? So we'll be leading some classes around that. So I, yeah, I flew out there and I, I was part of their kickoff event. So I think that's the most major thing we've done recently. I know we have a conference that we just announced that's happening on December 8th in New York for 500 women. So yeah, so I've been pretty heads down on that. I'm already looking forward to January and getting this over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. No, that all that stuff sounds super exciting. And it's actually very funny because one of the guests that had on prior also had a very similar approach to networking. Um, he calls it content-based networking. So I guess think of exactly what you're doing. You're sparking relationships and creating content or you know doing some sort of event or, or submersive experience with some guest of some sort. And hopefully you're building these relationships with people that you you know want to add value to to potentially work together in the future on something. Yeah, totally. Cool. I am not 100% sure. I did get a chance to send over kind of like a quick outline and some ideas for you. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got it right here. Okay, cool. I guess if you wouldn't mind um, sharing uh, with everyone what kind of how Ladies Get Paid started, what's the story, and then kind of if you could bring us up to speed to what you're currently working on or some of the things that you think um, women listeners would really find impactful from your story. Sure. Yeah. So when whenever I'm asked uh, to tell the ladies get paid story from the beginning, I I always ask first, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, because you don't just begin something when you say you're going to begin something. Things have been happening throughout your whole life, really, that are end up kind of being that the building blocks for what you're able to then build upon. You know, both experiences you have and and skills that you've gained. And so, you know, at the point that I decided to actually create something like Ladies Get Paid, in a way, I'd already been kind of doing it all along, which 
which was I was constantly hosting events um, for for not just women, but for people to talk about their careers. I, I had been working, my two jobs prior to Ladies Get Paid were in the recruitment field. Um, I worked for companies that helped connect people in the visual communication um, for work. And I was particularly interested in why would somebody say yes to a job and why would they end up leaving a job? And in large part, it was not really what they were actually doing at the company. It was more the company itself. So, you know, were they in an environment where they could thrive? Were they in an environment that supported them, that helped them grow? And so obviously for women, they, I was finding both myself and, and a lot of people around me um, were struggling to articulate their value. Um, and that was largely um, expressed through money. They, they couldn't, they didn't feel like they were able to make a strong case for why they should get a raise or they were negotiating for money, but being told no, and they were hitting a sort of wall. Um, also, a lot of us were, you know, middle management, upper management. We were looking at leadership in our companies and the leadership, quite frankly, didn't look like us, right? They were older white men or sometimes not even older, maybe younger than us. And so that felt like something wasn't quite right there. We, we didn't feel like we had the support and encouragement from our organizations to become leaders, again, because the people at the top didn't look like us. And so in a way, it was sort of isolating. And I'd been doing a lot of reading about the gender wage gap, the leadership gap, the lack of women getting VC funding, particularly women of color. You know, For example, Hispanic women uh, make 55 cents to the dollar. So it's not actually that 78 cents to the dollar that many of us hear when we talk about the wage gap. And seeing the kind of economic, missed economic opportunities from this, so that it's not just about women and, and quote, doing the right thing, but that Black women are the fastest growing entrepreneurial segment in the US. They're making billions and billions of dollars in revenue, but less than 2% of them are getting investment from VCs at an average of $36,000. So I'm throwing a bunch of numbers at you, but I think my point here is, it's not good for women. It's also not good for the economy. If we don't invest in women, we are losing a lot of money, right? As a society. But then, of course, well, what do you actually do about it, right? You hear about these big numbers, and you know, it's all so overwhelming. And, and we're talking about combating something that's systemic. So the way that I got started was not, aha, I have an idea for a business. It was, let's get a bunch of women in a room together to talk about money. What does money mean to you? And I picked that topic because I knew that it would be a conversation that would be much bigger than money itself. It would be really more about what money represents to these women. And that's value. That's worth, right? Do they value themselves? Do they articulate their value at work? And this conversation I had, I, I decided to do it in, in a forum, uh, in a town hall format. And I picked that because I felt like if I did the traditional panel and I had, quote, experts up there giving advice about money, I mean, that's a privileged thing to do, right? To, to maybe tell a room, oh, if you don't like your job, just quit it. Well, that's not a reality for most people. And so I was concerned that this event, you know, by making it more about advice, we could, in a way, alienate people in the room not knowing what their financial context were. So making it a town hall format where women came, got up on the mic, expressed a story, you know, told a story, asked a question, could make this a much larger sort of facilitated open dialogue. And it was amazing. We had 100 women. This was two years ago. They came. We couldn't stop talking. It was like three hours. I had to kick everybody out. And my next step from there, not knowing that I would ultimately end up doing something really, was to start a Slack group. So if you're not familiar with Slack, it's basically an internal communication tool that companies are using so that their employees can talk to each other without having to send an email. And I realized you know, there was a way to take this and you could create a little community. There are different channels. 
Um, and I created channels based on basically the topics that had kept coming up during that town hall, salary negotiation being a large one. Invited everybody who attended the event and I told them, let's keep in touch with this Slack group. A week later, so many of them were asking me, how could they get their friends to join the Slack group? I made a little web page. I used Squarespace. I put up a page that said, you know, if you want to get access to this private group of women talking about work and money, email me. And a week after that, we had 200 people on there. And they were talking so much to each other that A, I realized, ah, okay, this is so much bigger than an event. This is so much bigger than actually just this Slack group. There's clearly a need here for women to at least talk to each other about their careers. And secondly, I saw that the thing that they kept talking about and wanting to learn about was salary negotiation. So I saw that, okay, there could actually be a business model here where I find a career coach who teaches salary negotiation. I take a cut of the profit for being able to drive the audience to them. And we could build something from there. So pretty much basically a month after I hosted my first event, I quit my job. <laughs> and I, I had a consulting gig with a client. So I was able to quit my job knowing that I had some income lined up. But, and I also had savings. And you know, I do want to mention it's a very um, privileged thing to do to be able to quit your job. And I don't recommend it for most people. That being said, if you don't have debt or health problems or kids or parents to take care of, then yes, you should quit your job. Uh, because if not now, you know when? So I took that leap. Um, I did it knowing what the business model would be. I had measures of success for myself. I had a calendar of milestones that I proposed to hit by a certain time. So basically, you know, I jumped in, but wide eyes wide open with a, a life jacket, right? So I, I always do want to mention that is I went for it, but I had like I said, a life jacket or bumper bumpers on. And it's been two years now. We've got 30,000 women in the community from all 50 states, more than 60 countries. So I'm really glad I quit my job. Amazing story, Claire. That is something. <laughs> really impressive too. And uh, one thing that I'm very curious about is like when you first start, got started with it, right? Like did did you expect it to become like what it's you know transformed into? Like what were your expectations when you first got started? Yeah, um, I have really big ambition and vision. So it's funny, people. Oh wow, thirty thousand. I'm like, that's not enough. You know, I mean, I've learned <laughs> to like have joy in the process and like you know stop and be proud of myself. And that's something I talk to our community a lot about. Is basically you know hold on to your vision and have high expectations for yourself, but you need to constantly stop and say. You're doing a great job. You can't. You can't always be trying to like catch up to your vision, and that's when you decide you're successful, um, because the goalposts will always keep moving. That being said, I saw what this could be from the minute I decided to quit my job. I thought this could be a huge network of women giving each other career support online. We could do really big conferences that are basically you know no bullshit discussions on navigating gender power dynamics, and that I would eventually like to maybe turn Slack into our own proprietary. Network, you know, again, crowdsourcing career advice for women. I don't see that existing anywhere. And so, what I set out to do, I have created with the exception of that online network. That's something that I'm working towards and maybe for the first time would actually like to raise a little bit of money for so we can build something that is not black, but really is our own sort of home. Our ladies get paid home. So, yeah, so I saw what this would be, which is. You know why I quit my job. I, I don't understand when people quit their job not knowing if they can make money or if it'll be big. That seems too scary to me. So you know we're where I wanted to be. Although again, I always wish that we were more than we are, but we're doing pretty good. I'd say you're doing a pretty good job 
of, you know, creating lady bosses, empowering women, helping, you know, females better understand their self-worth, value, and identity. And I think you're doing a great job. And um, the other reason, just for people to understand, the way that I heard about you was through um, my girlfriend. She mentioned that she was a part of this awesome Ladies Get Paid Slack channel. And I go like, what is that? And mm-hmm. so like, that's just literally just the power of the word of mouth is how, you know, I heard and got introduced to you. And so it's like that one little um, moment that, you know, my girlfriend shared and she got value from your community. And now like, look where we are, like having a great conversation about what you've done so far and what you're up to and how you're currently helping, you know, women p- pave the way in the workforce. Yeah. And it's really, it's really nice. I get actually a number of men who reach out and they're like, just to let you know, I told my girlfriend about your company or... They'll buy webinars or coaching sessions on the behalf of their partners. And I'm always like, I tell the woman, I'm like, good choice, good partner. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at the end of the day, I just feel like it's one of those things like when you're in the mindset of helping and adding value, it's just like, I know that women will get value from your, you know, experiences from your events and from the community. And so like, I should be sharing and you want people to, you know, want to do the same for you. And so that's kind of how I look at when, you know, whenever I recommend something to someone, especially something like ladies get paid that can have such a tremendous impact on um, someone's life. Yeah. And it's free. You know, we do charge a little bit for workshops and, and things like that, but to get access to the, to that Slack group, it's totally free. So it's like, just join at least to like, look at the jobs channel, you know, so I appreciate you spreading the word. Oh, of course. And of course, like no excuses, right? Like, if there's any reason for why you ever wanted to not look up getting career advice from females, like it's free. So there's really no excuse not to look. And so it just invites people. It's a little more friendly. But that actually brings me up to my next uh, question in terms of um, friendliness and something I feel like a lot of people don't really know how to deal with is the topic of being really real with themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. I forget what interview it was that I was listening to of yours, but one of the things that you mentioned was how you had to become really real with yourself when you were first Mm -hmm. getting started. And I guess, could you tell us a little bit about that time and also like some, some tricks that, you know, other women can use when really being introspective and like actually taking a hard and close look at who they are? Yeah, totally. Um, so I should mention, I tried to do two companies before ladies get paid and I failed Miserably? No, I shouldn't say I failed because no, I failed. Okay. <laughs> um, they didn't work out, but they informed me who I wanted to be, how I wanted to be, and what I wanted to work on. And I, I also think, you know, anytime that you do something on your own, you're probably going to learn a, a ton more because you're taking a risk and it's self motivated. And I sort of look at these things like business school and any money you invest in your business, it'll probably be less than you would actually have paid for business school. That being said, what I learned in those startups that helped me get real with myself and make better choices with ladies get paid is indecision was the worst thing I could have done. So what I realized in doing this other startups uh, and the knowledge that I brought with me for, for ladies get paid is indecision is quite possibly one of the worst things that can happen to your business. I would rather make a decision, realize it's not correct, and quickly pivot than spend a lot of time Hemming and hawing, should I do this? Should I not? I don't know. And then, you know, you burn yourself out, your team out. It's confusing to the market. Like, you got to put your, you know, stake in the ground and just do something. Otherwise, you'll never know. So, I didn't have confidence in myself for those other businesses. I didn't kind of humble myself enough to ask for help. To be honest, I, I saw asking for help as a weakness. 
and, and that came from, I think, wanting people to think that I had it, quote, all together, which I've now realized that that doesn't really allow people to even bond with me. If I'm acting like, you know, everything's fine, well, then I'm isolating myself, right? Because that's never true. So, but I had a hard time asking for help. Um, and so when I was kind of floundering with making decisions, particularly around the business model, um, I ended up just shutting it down. I wasted too much time and ran out of runway before I even really got started. Kind of like a failure to launch. So for me, the getting real was seeing where I needed help, figuring out who I could ask, and actually asking them for help. So that was that was a big learning experience for me and, and having real confidence in my ability to get something done. You know, I think a lot of the things that I was doing, actually, I was giving away to other people. I'd have an idea and I would immediately find somebody and I'd say, hey, come on board. You should do this with me. But then I realized I actually could have done it myself and it would have been better, you know? And I was sort of not, I was giving away too much of the things that I really should have been doing. I think largely because I didn't have faith that I could do it. And I also wanted to move so quickly. Um, so those are my two, the two big learnings that I had was make a decision um, and be very careful before you give away something. Dig deep and see if it is actually something that you could do and do really well. Interesting. Also, one more quick follow up to that question: Who was who was there when you started asking? Like, I find that mm. to be super interesting because a lot of times, like, just to kind of give some context, like, what if you don't have a community? What if you don't have a network? What if you don't have any friends? Mm-hmm. Like, who was there for you when you had to make that, you know, vulnerable decision to like ask someone that you didn't know or might not be a 100% sure they would actually show up and be there for you? Totally. Well, in terms of not having friends, that's really sad. So I, I, I hope that as somebody is <laughs> not looking at being like, yeah, well, good. That's why you join Meetup. That's why you join Ladies Get Page. So many networking events, experiences out there. It starts with one person. And, you know, I went to, there was a person in my life, I, I call him a portal person. And this is basically a person who is incredibly well networked himself. So I would say, anybody listening, you know, think about who in your network is a person who kind of seems to know everybody, who in a way sits at the intersection of a lot of different people and, and industries and things like that. They're your first line of defense. They're the person you go to and you'd be very explicit with them about a thing that you're trying to solve. Not all of your problems, challenges, whatever, that's too overwhelming. And unless they're your coach, then you're paying them. You probably want to go to them and ask for one thing. Now, you ask them, is there anybody in your network that you think could be helpful in this and that you think I could bring value to? You know, in the latest paid community, these women understand that the more you give, the more you get. So you can't just be a taker and ask for help without also offering yourself to be of service to them. And you may be thinking, well, I don't know how I can be helpful to them. That's fine. Just ask them. Let me know if I can be helpful to you, right? So always remember that, that you can just ask them for ways that you can best support them. And listen, maybe it's, hey, can you spread the word about ladies get paid? And that's simple for you to do. And that's helpful to them. So go to that one person and ask them if they know anybody who can answer that one question. So start there. That's valuable. I think that's such a simple like thing that anybody can take away and do. And just really like it's as simple as going to LinkedIn, seeing who you're connected with, and then go seeing who has the most connections and literally starting there. <laughs> it's like such a very but always offering piece to of support. Exactly. Always offering to support. I can't tell you it bothers me to no end when people reach out and first they ask for something really big, like can we meet up? 
and I don't really, here, here are my pet peeves that if you all can <laughs> listen up carefully, this is like, you know, networking 101. And I guarantee you, if you follow this, you will build amazing professional relationships that you can leverage for more opportunities. So here's what I don't like. Somebody reaches out to me and they write an incredibly long email. That's indicator number one. I don't have time. Not going to read that. All right. Second thing they ask is, can they quote, pick my brain? That's a really gross thing to say. I mean, <laughs> we all know what that means, but you know, first of all, I don't like that expression. But second of all, what does it actually mean? We're gonna shoot the shit, right? This could become a very long conversation. It's not clear enough to me how I can be helpful. So instead, I'd like them to again, like I said to you, ask a specific question or or give some parameters around this conversation rather than this like abstract, let's hang out. Second or third, I guess. When they ask me to meet up for a coffee, that's a lot of time and energy on my part. A lot of time and energy. So I would say, hi, I would love to meet up in person, though I know that that is a lot of time and energy. So instead, would you maybe have 15 minutes for a phone call? I can send you an agenda in advance. Again, keeping in mind that your time is precious. Right? That's just an example of how I might phrase it. So acknowledging that my time is valuable, like, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Because that's you not being a taker and presumptuous. That's you offering a parameter, right? We've got 15 minutes phone call. And by getting an agenda beforehand allows me to already have some ideas that I can come to the phone call with. And then it makes our conversation more valuable for both of us. So being very clear about what you're asking and the structure in which we can communicate is super, super helpful. And always ending with, and don't hesitate to let me know how I can support you. So please remember those things. Yeah, I know. I love those. I'm definitely going to remind myself. It's it's funny, like sometimes before meetings, like with some small like internal things, you might not necessarily always put an agenda. But then like, it's funny how much you appreciate an agenda when it's on the you know other end of an email invite. Like when I get an agenda in my inbox, I'm like, oh my God, I feel so much better about this meeting. Right? <laughs> totally. Totally. And and also, you know, now that that's what I have to do when people reach out to me asking for like coffee and, and it's sort of abstract, I say, hey, listen, I'm traveling a lot these days. Let's do a 15 to 20 minute phone call. Just send me your questions in advance so I can come prepared. Right? Or I say, send me, send me a question over by email and uh, give me a deadline for when you need me to get back to you. And so at least they get some guidance from me in some way, even if it's not as much as they wanted. It's better than nothing for sure. Yeah. And hey, yeah, you know, I... maybe, you know, I end up passing them on to somebody else. So it's like we chat for a bit. And then when I learn more about what you're up to, I'll start thinking about who I can connect you with. Right. And and I think that's like such another important aspect of the community. Um, I guess, could you also talk a little bit about um, some of the, I guess, I guess mentors, motivators, role models that you had when you were starting this journey? Yeah. Um, my former boss, for sure. I worked for somebody named Justin Genak, and he is one of the founders of Working Not Working. Check them out. They're awesome. WorkingNotWorking.com. It's basically a curated network of creative professionals who connect to um, recruiters by when they're available to work. So a lot of them are freelancers. So it was a really interesting experience working there because that's honestly where I got this great bird's eye view into company culture. Since I was able, you know, as director of marketing, I was able to go to all these different offices and talk to people who were there and see what their company cultures were like. 
So really honored to have worked with them. And Justin was great. I mean, he had been doing working not working for about four years before they brought me on. I was the third employee. I learned a lot from him about the journey of starting a company, but also what is it like when you begin to expand? Because a lot of times we just talk about taking the plunge, right? How do you quit your full-time job and, and become an entrepreneur? But how often do we talk about, all right, you've been in business for a few years. Now you're hiring people. Now you're growing. Now what? Because that's really scary. That's a big deal. It was just him and one other person. And then all of a sudden, four years later, he's hiring a staff of six of us. And he has to manage us and pay healthcare and all of those things. So I watched him in his process of making decisions about both you know, the future of the product, but also about his employees and, and, and our own company culture. So I would say he was a huge, huge mentor to mine. And yeah, I'm just I, I think that anybody who's interested in starting their own business, they should probably go work for a small company because that's where they're going to get a real ground level view of, of what this is actually like. And then they can decide if it's something they really want to do. Right. I think it's just like one of those quick... I, I don't want to say quick, but um, it's just one of those ways that like you can get firsthand advice and experience that you're not going to necessarily get from a book or reading a blog post or like just listening to a podcast or an audiobook. Like you're actually going to be with the person like behind enemy lines, like actually going to war and like building a business. Yeah, and so yes, anybody listening who wants to create a business, don't do it yet. If go go find a small business or startup to work with first. First of all, you're going to get paid, which is awesome. You're going to get paid to learn, and it's not on you. It's not like when you go to sleep, the success of the company is riding solely on your shoulders, as it is when it's your own business. So it's great about working with working not working is you know I was part of startup culture. Um, I got to see how it was done, but I had a paycheck, right? I had a steady paycheck. And I wasn't the person who was going to sleep at night wondering how the bills were going to get paid. I really recommend a small business or a startup as your stopgap to actually taking the leap on your own. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good piece of advice that I think a lot of younger people should definitely take into consideration, especially with now there's this like, I don't know if it's like a surge of entrepreneurship. I felt it at once in my life as well. I still feel it actually. Um, But like you just feel this sense of like, you see it's, there's so many people that are entrepreneurs and doing all these different things. But like at the end of the day, if you don't know where you're going or don't have you know any self-awareness and you're just going on this journey without any direction or guidance, it's going to be a rude awakening when you actually hit the bottom where you don't know exactly how low that's going to actually be. Yeah. And again, you know, would you rather learn on your own, meaning you're paying for yourself to live and learn? Or can you work for somebody else? where they pay you to learn. Totally. It's just like so practical, super practical. Awesome. So another interesting thing that I I find about Ladies Get Paid is that like you took it from zero to now, you mentioned 30,000 women across Mm -hmm. in all 50 states and like over 60 countries, which is insane. But I guess, could you talk through some of the different growth stages? Um, Because you mentioned earlier as well, about the you know hiring and growth and staff and expansion, I'm curious to see like what were some of your most interesting stages, right? Like what was like on hundred to a thousand community members like, and then like on the flip side, like what's what's it look like now that you're over thirty thousand strong? Yeah, so I look at the company as there was the first seven months, and then there was everything after. So the first seven months, I was doing ladies get paid by myself. I started it. I figured out the business model. I 
found a bunch of career coaches and would schedule them to teach workshops. And then I would promote them and get people to show up. And I hosted events on my own, these town halls, exploring different challenges when we're facing at work. And it was working. We were getting lots of women to sign up, building some brand awareness. It, it was awesome. And then I sort of looked at the business and my own skills. And I had this realization that what I'm very good at is starting something, but not necessarily growing it. And that I had a business model, yes, but there were more revenue streams to be made. There were you know, ways to maximize it. And I couldn't really figure it out. So I knew I was on the right path, but I needed, I needed somebody almost to like illuminate the path a little bit more so I could get there quicker. And, and that's when I realized I, I got to find a partner. I really do. And fortunately, there was a woman who was coming to a lot of events. Um, in a way, she sort of already was working with me on behalf of Ladies Get Paid. She would email people. She would show up early to events. She got her company, um, the company she was working at at the time, she got them to have a meeting with me to talk about doing workshops for their staff. So it was kind of a no-brainer when I realized I needed to partner with somebody. She was there all along. Um, and she was head of business development at Vimeo. So all she was doing was making business deals. Um, she also worked in a tech product. And I knew that eventually I wanted to turn Slack into some kind of proprietary tech platform. So it was actually really easy uh, to make the decision to work with somebody because she was there and she was such the right choice. And so bringing her on board seven months in, that's when the company shifted. In a way, it went from being a project to being an actual company, <laughs> to being an actual business. And a big decision that we made that also changed the business was creating a toolkit, creating an ambassador program. Um, since I've been doing all the events by myself in New York, we decided to teach women in other cities how they could run ladies get paid events and created branding for them and figured out, you know, how do they have communities in their city that then tapped into our larger community? Right? What's the benefit for them? And began to develop this. And as I developed it, I realized, you know what, I should probably fly out and host the first event with these women who are just getting started. And so it was at that point that I began to visit these cities, hosting events with them, that we really skyrocketed. Because I went to 18 cities and every city had 100 to 150 people sign up for those events. So in the span of six months, you know, we were growing really fast because of that, that work I was doing. And then those cities would continue to do events. They, you know, every month they were doing events. So that the momentum just picked up. And I think anybody will find that the beginning is sometimes the hardest part getting started. And then, you know, you, you throw people, it's like a domino chain, right? So you set up the dominoes, and that's what we did in the first seven months, uh, and then probably a few months after. Set up the dominoes, and then I hit off the first domino, and then there was that effect. And so at some point, it just began to snowball because we had set up all of those toolkits and had these evangelists in 18 cities. I mean, at this point, we've got about 70 women who are working as ambassadors. And I should mention, it is a profit share. You know, we make sure that out of ticket sales, they're taking a cut. And if they're teaching classes, they take a bigger cut. So that, that was the game changer. And then at that point, we started to make deals with brands, companies who want to promote their product to our community, companies who want to partner with us. So I come in and teach you know, and, and want to demonstrate good faith to, to their female employees that they support them, right? And so when those companies, those brands started to promote themselves through us, it was also vice versa. They were promoting ladies get paid. And so having major brands now like Nike do things with us, people hear about us because of Nike. So like I said, hardest part getting started, Game Changer was seven to 10 months uh, into this with those ambassador programs. That's brilliant. 
That's such a, a very, very smart way to scale. Um, and, and also too, on that topic, um, how was this something that like, did women just like approach you? I know, like, I'm not quite sure how it worked, but did women like come to you and say, Hey, like, I want to start a chapter here or like, what were some of the mm-hmm. methods that like people were like raising their hand? They were. Yeah. Because I had this okay. Slack group since there was this online component, women from all over the world were getting value without me having to actually demonstrate it. Right. They didn't have to go to an event to get support and they were getting real things, right? Like women will jump in with a cover letter, you know, and she'll make it an editable Google Doc and she'll say, hey, guys, I need some help. And all these people from Ghana, Romania, I mean, literally all over the world, they'll add their comments to their Google Doc and like she'll crowdsource her cover letter. And so when women were getting that kind of value, it made them say, hey, can we do stuff here? And they would also be seeing photographs. Every month I was putting on 100 person town halls with beautiful photographs. And it was like, well, I want you to come to Burlington, Vermont. What do I need to do? And that's when I said, get four women together. Here's the toolkit. And by the way, for anybody out there who is trying to figure out how to market their company or product, especially if you do in-person events, the best advice I can give you is to research politics, actually, campaigning, grassroots organizing. How do people get out the vote, right? If you were spreading the word about a candidate and you want people to vote for them, look at all the ways that political campaigns run, they are doing amazing jobs marketing, right? Door to door, they sell signs, they have a toolkit, they have campaign managers, right? So I didn't explicitly research political grassroots organizing as I created my own toolkit. But now that I've done that, I and I've become more involved civically, it's very clear that actually what I was creating was, was grassroots po- politics campaigns. Interesting. It's not a funny like aha moment. You're like, oh wait, like I was doing this thing for this purpose, and now I really understand why I was doing it. Yeah, it's also really cool to get validation when you do something and you created it on your own, and then realize that this is actually like a legitimate thing. Like, wow, I did something that people have been doing for years. I'm like, I came up with that on my own. That's pretty cool. And yeah, it validates that like this is how people do grassroots marketing. Same thing as grassroots organizing for political campaigns. So yeah, that was a really cool realization. And it's funny because now I feel like with I feel like we hit like a, a chord in you somewhere when you started talking about politics. But what I am very curious to hear is what you're currently excited about, curious, passionate about. Like what's top of mind right now for Claire? Well, politics, <laughs> because we are one month away from the midterm. Um, because we have a ton of candidates in the latest get paid community. Women who are running for the first time, women who have been unhappy with the status quo, particularly around policies that help women in the workplace. Um, So we're talking paid family leave is a huge one. And because of ladies get paid and other things going on in their life, they realize that we're all behind them. They have a huge network of people who will champion them, who will vote for them, who will donate money to them. And so they come to us and they say, hey, can you put us in your newsletter? And that's such an easy way for us to get help for them that is significant. For example, there is a woman in our community who came to one of my first events that I ever produced. It was called Get Unstuck. She didn't know what she wanted to do in her career. She was at a sort of crossroads and she was unhappy where she wanted, you know, where she was working. Through the workshop, she then hires the coach. Now, she starts being coached and in being coached, she realizes that she really wants to do something civic, right? That she kind of all along had wanted to be in, she didn't know if it would be politics, but she wanted to be civically engaged somehow. And was starting to gain confidence that maybe this could be a career path that she follows. And 
you know, then I hosted a town hall and it was called Reinvention, all about how, you know, something happens in our life and then we kind of rethink our identity. And this woman stands up and she says in front of this group of 100 women that she'd been doing a lot of work on herself for the past year and that she thinks she's going to run for office. You know, she said, you know, women like me, women who look like me, she's a woman of color, they don't run for office. We don't see people like me in office, but I'm going to do it. And everybody applauded. And you know who that woman was? It was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she was the one that we're all talking about. She's on the cover of Vanity Fair now. And she won uh, her primary against an incumbent that had been there, I don't know, 14 years. And, and she was able to beat him. And it looks like she is now going to become the youngest congresswoman ever. And she's somebody who came to Ladies Get Paid. And I'm not going to take credit for her, but we were there. And so that's what I'm most excited about of the power of what we're doing. We don't even recognize how big we can be and the change that we can affect. Because all you have to do is to get one woman to say, I'm going to do it, right? And who knows where Alexandria is going to go? Listen, maybe she'll become president, right? And we were there. So that's something I want also everybody to remember is that a small thing you do can end up having a huge impact on another person who in turn impacts even more people. So I'm super psyched and jazzed about how we can get involved in supporting women in civic engagement. And then of course, personally for me and the business, we've got a conference happening December 8th in New York with 500 women coming. It's basically an exploration of how do we navigate gender power dynamics at work so we can succeed. Um, And we'd love to grow that. Uh, And then 2019, let's see if uh, we can get this online platform working. So yeah, civic engagement, online platform, and conference. Those are the three buckets that I'm really looking forward to working on this year. Exciting. I don't even have words to describe all the feels in my thoughts because I just can't imagine how like amazing it feels to be a part of something and leading something that is driving so much impact um, and direct impact in the you know communities that we live in every single day. And most importantly, having it being led by you know a tribe of women who all have each other's backs. And you know, show up for each other and just help push each other forward and through uh, the crazy world that we live in today. So, yeah, no, I I think everything that you're up to is super super exciting, and I'm definitely here in any way that that I can be to help support ladies get paid and uh, the mission. Thank you. Yeah, well, we're selling a t-shirt now, <laughs> so everybody go to ladiesgetpaid.com. There is a t-shirt on one of the tabs. We love it. It looks great. I know I'm biased, but seriously, we, we send it to 400 people and nobody's returned it. <laughs> so oh, yeah, nice. so check that out. That's a really, that's a great way to support us. It's like you're getting something of value and, you know, it's a little bit of money in our pocket, which, you know, ladies need to get paid. Of course. Of course. Do you guys have guy sizes? Yep. Yeah, we do. Unisex. So totally. Oh. Goes up to extra large. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Claire, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I really appreciated your insights, your stories, and a lot of the just quick tips that are very actionable that people can take home and apply. And just super excited to see what you accomplish in the next couple of months and in the future with Ladies Get Paid. Yeah. And did you, did you like my rant of like everything I hate when people email me? Sorry about that. Oh, but like you also that. learn like what not to do, right? Like for all of us, I think. We learn literally only because of the mistakes we make, usually. <laughs> like, not the positive stuff. It's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, now I learn for the future. So, you know, I've watched that in my inbox. I'm like, I can't wait to tell people how they can rethink doing this because it's so easy to get my attention. And it's also so easy for me not to respond to your email. 
So I highly recommend following those tips. But yeah, thanks for letting me rant. Oh, no, I I think those tips were awesome. And I definitely, I'm one for those because like I typically, I've read a lot of emails, right? Like, so I always think like in my interactions with someone, how do I A, not seem like I'm trying to repeat the same things, even though I we both want one thing to happen? And also like, how do I not annoy you? Like, if you haven't answered, right. it's mainly because you're busy and I know that, but like, I'm still going to send you like a sixth email because I know you definitely didn't get to it because you have so much other stuff right, going on. Right. Right. And I think also everyone should follow up, maybe uh, even twice, and that's fine. It's fine. And they can always say, friendly follow up, don't mean to annoy you. You know, it's always acknowledging the other person and being thoughtful about it is the key. So it's not about whether or not you follow up, it's just how you do it. Totally. Thanks for listening to the Community Builder Podcast. If you received an ounce of value from this podcast, share it with your friends. Oh yeah, don't forget to leave me a five-star review. I need those. Remember, each perfectly laid brick moves you one step closer to building your community. 